0: Well, I must confess, I'm really thrilled to be here this morning. I don't know about you. You are. Oh, excellent. Um, I thought maybe you weren't thrilled that I was here this morning. But uh, yeah. (laughs) thank you, Ben. Preach it. Yeah. In fact, I really shouldn't be with you this morning. I know that some some of you might say that's a good thing, but um, I'll ignore that. The reason I say that that I really shouldn't be here today, is about 13 years ago, in fact, this weekend, I celebrate this weekend every year because 13 years ago in 2002, um, there was a fall of man, this man anyway. And uh, on that weekend, I was lying in hospital, hooked up to life support, that machines that beeped and whirred and basically scared people away unless they had coffee in their hand or they had chocolates, which is very important when you're not feeling too well to have both those components. Um, a few days beforehand, I experienced the most wonderful event of my life, flying in a helicopter from Mardenborough to the Rose Gardens at Willington Hospital. Unfortunately, the, 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 the occasion was kind of dampened down because I was laid out in a stretcher and I had the, all these things, you know, hooked up to me like drips and painkillers and I had guys in this helicopter who were giving me hand signals. Now, they started off like this. It was that, and then it was that, then it was that, then it was that, then it was that, then it was... And I thought, this is really strange. What would you do that for? You know, what's all that about? I can count. I'm quite capable. I, st- I learned when I was about three, and I've been managed to keep hold of that ever since. But what I discovered was they were actually counting down the mo- minutes to landing, so counting them down, you know, f- there was five, four, three, two, one. So I knew exactly what was going on. Not that I needed to worry because my life was in their hands completely. I was, I was completely out of it as far as I was concerned. I was ent- completely entrusted to them. I had documented in my not-too-accurate account of this whole experience, I called it the Long and Winding Road Home, and it was, it was one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I knew I'd inconvenienced a lot of people over those days, dramatically. Trade guys on site, ambulance staff, helicopter crews, air traffic control, A&E department, doctors, nurses, technicians, cleaners, maintenance services, ACC, friends, and of course my family. But I also had inconvenienced a very other very important person at that particular time, over those days it was a surgeon who actually put me back together he was halfway through his gin and tonic at the Wellington Men's Club when the pager went off and beckoned him to come to the hospital and he spent the next seven hours putting me back together again Uh, it's not a hard job you know just especially if you've got a picture and especially if you've got a picture of a good arm and you can compare it to the one that's all damaged you know exactly what to do you know it's right there just opposite of course don't get it around the wrong way and so he put me back together again. To now tell me several days later that it was all a waste of time and he could have finished off his tonic after all seemed a bit mean. It wasn't like I had planned to get hurt and to have a few days off work. Who would have thought a damaged arm and a pelvis would actually kill you? If I thought it would have, I would have been much more careful going up that ladder. So here I am lying in this bed. The surgeon has just left with his fingers crossed. Probably off to the basement to get the cold concrete slab heated up for my imminent arrival. But I asked Kerry if she would read a passage of scripture to me out of my little New Testament that I had carried with me that had been neatly tucked in my top pocket of my overalls and had accompanied me to the hospital. And it's this passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning, because it was very important for me at the time. And that's why I'm so excited to be here today, to actually tell you the story about how God is at work in our lives, how God is wanting to, to bring all the circumstances of what we walk through together, to make us realize that He is the God who holds our hands, our lives in His hands and I, so I said to Kerry, honey, I, I'm not sure what the passage was I read this morning. I know that it was on an axe, and I know that it was on the left-hand side of the page. Is this how the story went? It was about that, like that wasn't it? Yeah. I know that it was on the left-hand side of the page, but I I'm not, I'm not, can't quite remember where it was, and so as she pointed to the Pages, I recognised it, and it was this passage. And I just want to just put it in context for a few minutes, just as we, as I bring this in together. It's out of Acts two, and it's on the day of Pentecost. And as you're aware, the day of Pentecost is the birth of this fledging church. It's this all of God's promises to His people. All the things I've been looking forward to, all the things I've been hoping for and wanting to see established—this new kingdom, this new way of living, this new life that the that the prophets had had spoken about, that had been promised to them over these years—they're hanging on to this and on this. On this day, on this day of Pentecost, these new, these Christians, these ones who have been following Jesus and have been wanting to see God at work in their lives, are in this room, and the and the Holy Spirit. Visits them, and it's something tr- radically transforms them at this point in time. Something comes upon them they've never experienced before. You see, when this Holy Spirit visited people in times past, He visited them to get to for them to do a task, to equip them for a, for a particular role, to enable them to do something that they couldn't do before. Like Samson, for example, he you know, people would ask, Well, Samson, where did you, you know where do you get your strength from? It was because he was consecrated to the Lord and God would come upon him. The Spirit of God would come and empower him. It wasn't because he looked like, you know, somebody really, you know, muscly. He probably looked like me, you know, with hair. <laughs> probably. May have done. So that wasn't the point. The fact is the Holy Spirit came upon him and equipped him and empowered him to do something. But these were rare occasions. These happened on odd occasions. And the first time, the very first time that the Spirit of God came upon people, not just to empower them, not just to equip them, but to fill them, happened on the day of Pentecost. And it says, it describes it like this mighty rush of wind came into the room. And I can imagine today, if we were, on that, if we were in that room, and suddenly the windows began to rattle and the shake. And the the building starts to shake. This building starts to shake as this wind starts to blow into this place. And the people that are there are suddenly, something's happened. Something takes place in their lives. They are never going to be the same again. The Spirit of God has come. The Holy Spirit has come to empower them, to fill them, to overflow them. And this morning, I know each one of us here have come today because we want, to have, we want to have a bit of that sense in our lives, don't we? We want to have a little bit of a sense of what does it mean to have the same Spirit fill us and overflow us and equip us for the challenges of life that we go through and to help us to be the overcomers, to help us to be the people who have not just got something to say but have got something to give. And these were these people on the day of Pentecost, and that's us today, brothers and sisters, if you really want to take that and stretch it a little bit further. So here we are, day of Pentecost, and this is this new fledging church. The excitement of what God was doing in their midst just spilled out into everything that they did. They went out on the streets, and they were speaking in another tongue, or in various tongues, so the visitors in the, in the place understood what they're talking about. And they could hear that God was being glorified in their own mother tongue. So I suspect that there's a Dutch people there. They would hear the language in Dutch. Now, I'm of Dutch extraction, but I don't know a word of it, except a phrase I learnt when I was a, a kid, and every Dutchman I've ever it to, said it to said, what on earth does that say? Uh, but they understood. They understood. And they were, being, they were being introduced to a new dynamic of the grace and the mercy and the power of God in their lives. And it's in this context that Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. By now the city's in an uproar. Everyone's rushing to come and find out what's going on. And, uh, and so I said to Kerry, please grab my little New Testament and please read this to me. And this is what Peter says on this day. He says... Uh, he quotes Psalm 16. He says, I, and this is what Psalm 16 says, I saw the Lord before me at all times. He is near me, and I, am, I will not be troubled. And so I am filled of gladness, and my words are full of joy. And I, mortal though I am, will rest assured in hope, because you will not abandon me in the world of the dead. You will not allow your faithful servant to rot in the grave. You have shown me the paths that lead to life. And your presence, your presence will fill me with joy. Your presence will fill me with joy. Can I just reiterate that as we just contemplate this morning? We started the series on the fruit of the Spirit not the fruits of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, the, the impact of the spirit of God in our lives. And Jesse did a wonderful job last week opening up to us love and how love impacts and how love grows and how love expands and how love transforms, that we can never be the same. And now we have the joy, your presence, your indwelling presence. The fullness of your presence in my life fills me with joy. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, you love us so much. We thank you, you love us so much. We've been singing about it this morning that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. That You sent him so that he would stand in our place that the rap we should have got, that the separation that we should have, that the distance that we should be experiencing could be wiped out, that we could come into this relationship with you, we could know you, know what it means to walk with you, know what it means to have fellowship with you, know what it means to be filled with your joy because of what Jesus did. And Father, we thank you for this morning and we celebrate the new life that you've given to us and the new life that you want to continue to grow in our lives today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Amen. Just in case you're interested, and it's not obvious, I did survive. Thanks to a network of people who prayed, in particular, Faye, who came to the hospital at Kerry's bidding. Faye hates hospitals. But she arrived with a song in her heart. It was a song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Um, obviously, I had lost a bit of weight. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but she had a song in her heart, and she had a prayer of faith. I saw a song on her, in her mouth and a prayer of faith in her heart. Less than an hour after pray, Faye had prayed, I was sitting up in bed re- requesting a McDonald's strawberry thick shake. I was a sparrow, wasn't I? You see, I had been delivered from death. However, one day, I will be delivered in death. Can't stop it. It's going to happen. Even if I looked in the mirror this morning, I thought, gosh, that's a bit different than it used to be. I I used to be young. But I've been delivered from death. One day I will be delivered in death. And in this audience, in this congregation today, there's a number of you who have had lost loved ones. And you say, "Where, where is God in that? I want to say God's right in the midst of our loss. God is right in the midst of our pain. God is right in the midst of the despair that we walk through. I know what it's like to have great pain. Bruce alluded to it. I was seven years old. You've heard the story before when my mother died, unexpectedly. I was grief-stricken, seven years old, lost your mother, all alone. Nothing in this world anymore. My mother was my life. I was just fortunate I've had three of them. You know, I just can't do without mothers. You know. uh, but I've lost all of them now. You know. So I've lost my birth mother. I've lost my adopted mother. I've lost my stepmother. Actually, i forgot got four. I've lost my mother-in-law. And some people would say, well, that's not a great loss. But I want to tell you, losing my mother-in-law was a tremendous loss, the, one of the greatest losses of, that I could ever have. So I know what it's like to lose something. I know what it's like not just to misplace it. You know, It's not like you've misplaced your mother. Right? You know? <laughs> I've just lost her. I can't find her. She was there before, and I've put her down somewhere under a sheet of paper. It's not that I've lost her. I have uh, misplaced her. I have lost her. She's no longer in my life. She no longer has influence. She no longer has power. She no longer has anything to say to me. Fortunately, she said that all at the st- you know right at the very start. Being Scottish, of course, she would have. But um, you know, so I know what it means to have lost. A lot of well-meaning Christians asked me at the time of my accident, well, what lesson was God trying to teach you? It's a fair comment, isn't it? It's a very fair question. I mean, we've all asked that question, haven't we? What, what God, you know, Something has happened to us, and we say, well, what was God trying to teach us? Well, I have said this before, I, I would never throw my children off a ladder to teach them anything. But perhaps there are several things I have learned along the journey. First one was, Don't go up ladders. It's very simple. But if you have to go up a ladder, make sure you've got clean underwear. (laughs) Take a picnic lunch. And wear a parachute. But, of course, I'm only joking. Well, not really, actually. My wife would disagree with all of that. Uh, (laughs) Especially a, a safety harness would be helpful. But the third thing I've learned, and it took a while for this to really sink home, is that God always fulfills his promises. Always fulfills his promises. When Jesse shared with us last week about the fruit of the Spirit uh, and love, he encouraged us to examine the fruit produced in our lives. You see, there's always going to be fruit produced. It's either going to be good fruit or bad fruit. There's always going to be fruit. We can't avoid it. It's always going to be whatever we put in, whatever we sow, whatever we feed ourselves on, is going to produce something, either good or bad. Interestingly enough, this last week, we've had the Queensland fruit fly scare in Auckland. For those of you who have listened to the news, it's been quite a serious thing. I don't know why it was so serious. It didn't seem to be that significant to me. One male fruit fly from Queensland. didn't seem to be that significant at all. Uh, of course, I've found a, another one since. And, but the last year, a couple of years ago, I believe, cost $1.5 million to, to actually um, to, to eradicate or to, do, to, to treat. Apparently, this fruit fly will decimate a hundred different varieties of vegetables and fruit. That's serious for those of us who have to have our five portions of vegetables and fruit a day. Does coffee qualify as a vegetable by the way? This is a bean, isn't it? Must be wonderful. Excellent. I like that. So I can have my five <laughs> my five portions. And it's serious enough. Sorry, Viv's looking at me. Different colours. As well. different colours. Oh, I can't have all coffee. Oh, okay. Viv. Different colours of different colours of fruit. You mean like vegetables, like green and red for carrots and that sort of thing. Orange for carrots. Excellent. Orange, orange <laughs> <laughs> School teacher, you see. Hey, thanks, Viv. That's helpful. Why don't I bring the subject up? Okay, it's because it's serious enough for the Ministry of Primary Industries, or whoever they are, to dissect 600 tons of fruit and vegetables. 600 tons, can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting 600 tons and having to slice little bits out of them, putting them under a microscope? Um, all these samples, they're going to be there for weeks. They're going to be total. But they're looking for the fruit fly eggs. Now, they might, someone might know how they do it properly, but that's how I understood it anyway. Fortunately, we don't need a microscope to inspect our fruit. Fruit is quite obvious. As I said, it's always going to be produced. It's impossible to escape. If you sow something, there will be a result. So let's read that passage again in Galatians 5. Paul is contrasting contrasting the outcomes of a nature um, that uh, is left to do as it pleases with the life that is produced from giving or surrendering ourselves to the Spirit of God. And this is it. The Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. So let's look at this joy. What is it? Well, sometimes it's easier to, uh, to look at something to see what something is not before we see what it is. We know joy is not happiness. My sister-in-law describes me as someone who has a sunny disposition. I describe it as someone who was uh, given an overdose of optimism when I was born. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it, you know? where you see the, ga- the glass has always been half full rather than half empty, where you have a, a perspective on life that is always good or always hopeful, Maybe always, you know, may not necessarily be completely realistic, but is also always idealistic. Um, but we know that, that joy is not happiness. We know also joy is not the power of positive thinking or eternal optimism. You see, the Bible mentions joy or rejoicing 330 times, but it only mentions happiness 26 times. So there's a big gulf between what we understand joy to really be. Happiness is the feeling that we uh, bring, or that depends, sorry, on particular circumstances, particularly if those circumstances work out in our lives, we are quite happy about it. We get a bit elated, don't we? Oh, that's, that's exciting. That's wonderful. I'm happy. Uh, it really is dependent on our environment and everything going well for us and everything turning out the way we want. Whereas joy is a power that we bring to circumstances. So it's not something we rely on our circumstances being perfect. It's something that we bring to those circumstances. Something is a transforming power that we bring to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Someone has described it this way. Joy is the evidence of the presence of God in our lives. In your presence is fullness of joy. So here's this presence of God that we talked about earlier in our lives. It's a the presence of God that gives us this joy that we can hang our hope on. We all know that hope is something that we, we don't see. When you, when you see what you hope for, it's no longer there. When I was a young married, well, before I was married, I'd hoped that I'd find a good wife. And I found one. And then when we got married, I hoped that we would have a great family, and we got miraculously enough we got a great family. But when the hope comes it 's been fulfilled, when that has been it's done it 's fulfilled, so now we 're in a situation where, where we 've got the hope that we can that we can look for so It's an evidence of the presence of God in our lives. It's the one distinctiveness that Christians have, the one thing that makes us stand out in a crowded world full of opinions, full of theories, full of philosophies. Joy is a product, a result of something else that's taken place, the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the opposite, of course, of joy is despair. There's lots of enemies that are out, to rob us of this joy that God has given us. And I've just listed a few. There might be many more that you can think of. There might be many more that you've experienced. But as the list that I've put down are probably some of the things that I've had to work through in my life as I've considered what it really means to be filled with God's Spirit, to be filled with His joy. One of the enemies of joy that I've discovered is Forgetfulness. The older I get, the more often it occurs. Where am I again? Um, No, forgetfulness. Forgetting what God has done in my life. Forgetting how he has led. Forgetting how he has blessed me. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Don't forget what he's done. But forgetfulness, we get overwhelmed with life sometimes. We get so consumed with what's going on, so, so impacted by the, the difficulties around us that we forget that God has promised to us that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us to our own devices. He's never going to walk away from us and say, you're on your own now. I've done enough. You've blown it again. So one of, the, one of the enemies that I've discovered that robs me of the joy that God wants to bubble out of me is forgetfulness. Another one that I've discovered is famine. When I've never fed myself properly. Now you can look at me today and you can say, well, you've, that's not, you've never been a problem, has it? But, you know, if I've never fed myself properly, if I've never put the right food in, it produces a... Hunger, and I'm not—I'm uh, I'm not building the right sort of stuff in my life. So i have famine. I'm starved of the of, of the nutrients and the goodness that needs to sustain my life. And I know today that you're sitting out there, and I know that some of you are experiencing that in your own life. You feel. You feel like there's this emptiness, there's this void, there's this there's this something that's missing. You still haven't found what you're looking for, as, uh, as that songwriter said, you know that there's something that's really missing in your life, and it's there's an emptiness, there's a as I said a voider, uh, uh, something that you you're trying to fill, but you can't can't quite put your finger on it. You don't quite know what it is, but it, it stares you in the face every day. It's this famine. And Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who want to fill up that hunger, who want to fill up that void, who want to fill up that emptiness with the life-giving Spirit of God. They thirst for it. We know the, 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 um, the, uh, the Jesus told the parable of the, of the man who... Um, uh, he he saw this he saw this treasure in this field, and uh, it says that he, um, he he dug it up, and then he buried it, and then went off to the bank and he bought sorry he borrowed money, so that he could buy the field. And it talks about the joy that he had, the joy because he he everything that he had, to, he took everything that he had to buy this field because it contained the treasure because it contained something of absolute total value that he that he had to have it was imperative he couldn't live without it it was so important to him and Jesus told that parable to remind us that the kingdom of god is like that that the kingdom of god is something that we have to give our all for we have to give up everything for we we just can't say well it's there so it's 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 nice it's all right no the imperative there is that we would give our lives for it, that we could have this treasure that would sustain us, that, would be, that we would not just contain, because as the Bible says, out of, your, out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It will bubble out. It will flow over. That's what this kingdom of God is all about. That's what this treasure is all about. But there's another thing that robs us of that, and that's fatigue. How many are tired this morning? Don't have to, you don't have to promise. You don't have to admit to that. We all suffer from fatigue, don't we? We all get tired. We all get weary. We all get to a point where we're, we just want to give up. We just want to say, I've had enough. This is too hard. This is too difficult. I can't be bothered going on any longer. I don't know about you, but that's been a, sometimes the story of my life. Happens generally most Monday mornings, before I've had a coffee. And generally it lasts most of the week, till Saturday and Sunday. No, that's not true. But, you know, there are times when you just feel so bereft of life, you are so bereft of energy, you feel like you've got nothing to give, you've got nothing to say, you've got nothing to bring to the party. You've turned up without the dips and without the drink, and you're just sitting there in the corner feeling sorry for yourself. You're just tired, you're weary, you've got nothing to give. And I think a lot of us go through life like that. A lot of us go through life because we're just fatigued. We're just weary. Those things of life have worn us down. The things of life have been heavy. They've been burdens upon us. And sometimes we have to come to a place where we put a line in the sand and we say, Lord, unless you transform something in me, I cannot go on any further. For me, it's happened a number of times. You see, it's not just a once-off. I remember back in 2000, we were down at a conference in Christchurch. It was a, a rise-up conference. And I was at that point in my life. I was at that point of being fatigued and weary. In fact, I didn't want to go to this conference. Kerry made me do it. And uh, the last thing I want to do is go to a conference, some 10 days of my holidays of a group of Christians praising God. That was the last thing I had on my mind. And yet... In her wisdom and insight, she coerced me. And I went down there and got down there. And after the first session, something happened. You see, I'd been feeling sorry for myself. I'd been, I'd been weary and tired, and, and yet something happened. Because as they spoke about God's kingdom, about his life-giving force, about his power at work, about how God wanted to transform my everyday life, not just my Sunday, not just to give me joy on Sunday, but to give me joy every day of the week, not just to give me joy when I'm feeling a bit down and a bit like life's got a bit tough, but to be a sustaining power that would water my soul when things aren't going right. And as they spoke this sort of language, as they spoke that the kingdom of God is uh, love, joy, peace in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, something in here started changing. And today I'm calling out for that change to happen today here in this room. I'm speaking prophetically to that that would be begin to occur in our lives afresh today. You see, it's not a once over. It's not a once happening. It just didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. That's when it started. But it didn't stop their brothers and sisters. It didn't finish on the day of Pentecost because it's here today. God's spirit, God's promise, God's willingness to put joy in our lives is here in this room right now. And all he says to us is receive it. Receive that joy afresh. Receive that spirit of life that wants to come and cut through the hardness and the difficulty and the burden and the yuck of life. Because we need it, don't we? We need some joy. Gosh, if anyone needs joy, we need it. We need the joy because if we don't have joy, we've got nothing to give. We've got nothing to bring and nothing to impart Nothing to sustain, even our own lives. And so I'm calling out to that today, that there'll be a new step, a new walk, a new sense of the joy of the Spirit of God at work in our lives. That's why we're doing the fruit of the Spirit, by the way. Not so that we can just say, oh, we've done a great series. Not just to say, oh, we've looked at a few Bible verses, but because God does a work of transformation. He brings cut through. He brings thrust. He brings empowering. He brings life into our circumstances. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? I didn't mean to preach this morning. (laughs) Hey, sorry about that. For those who don't like preaching, tough luck. Hey, just happens. So fatigue, what a great antidote to fatigue, isn't it? If you're feeling weary this morning, if you feel like the burden is too hard, that the the yoke is too restrictive, get a dose of joy. Let the Holy Ghost do his work. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Spirit of God, we just reach out today. Oh, Father, we need you like we never need you before. Lord, we talk about revival, but many of us are dry in a spirit. Many of us are empty. Many of us have got nothing to give, Lord. We're, we're bereft, we're bankrupt. Lord, we've got nothing to draw on. We go to the, we go to the bank account and there's nothing in there. In fact, we're an overdraft. And we're just trying to prop ourselves up with with happiness. We're just trying to add things to our lives that make us happy, like the new stereo or the new car or the new something or other that uh, makes us feel better about life. Now, Father, you say that real life comes from knowing the Holy Spirit at work in us. It comes from the joy of the Spirit of God at work. That's where real life occurs. And today, we reach out for that life afresh. We ask that you would empower us again. Lord, we pray that we would be the, the salt and the light to this world, that we would be the answer to this nation, Lord God, that we wouldn't just be people who hold on to something, but we'd be people who would uh, release something in the Spirit. Oh we want to release something today in this congregation father. We want to release something over this over the things that would hold us down over this over this cloud of heaviness that would seek to hold us back. We want to release something in the spirit that would cause us to stand on the word of God and proclaim his faithfulness, to proclaim his joy, to proclaim his life in Jesus precious name. And last of all and last of all, the enemy of joy, one of the enemies of joy is fear. Man, do we struggle with fear, brothers and sisters. Do we struggle with fear? You know, the fear of all sorts of things. And I'm not just talking about fear of spiders, you know. Um, I'm talking about fear of real things, you know. Fear, things that, uh, we were sitting around the table last night and Andre said to us, you know, Dad, that there's, a, that there's only two snakes in the world that are poisonous. Two snakes in the world that are poisonous. I said, no, I didn't know that, son. He said, "Yes, only two snakes." He says, no. "All the other snakes are venomous. They'll kill you if they, you know, put their fangs in you. But there's only two snakes that, if you eat, they will have the opposite. Of, they'll have the effect of killing you. Only two. If you eat them, they'll kill you. And one of them is because it eats. One of the snakes eats poisonous mushrooms. No, poisonous frogs. Yeah, poisonous frogs. And so it's a very toxic snake. So you don't want to boil that up for supper one night." Thinking you're going to have a good night's sleep. may not occur. Better have a milk milo. All right? So apparently that's it. Now, apparently it's true because it was on QI. So we all know that's true. It has to be true. So fear. There's lots of fears that, are, that grip us, aren't there? There's fear of not being accepted. Gee, I went through that as a teenager. I was really fearful of uh, not being accepted. You know, a real sense of rejection over my life. You know, people looking at me and... Uh, you know, um, anyway, that's another story. Save it for another day. Uh, <clears throat> fear of being criticized, fear of failure, fear of never really making it, never really making it as a Christian. You know, try hard, really want to be good, really want to please God, but oh, never quite make it. Maybe next week. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be better next week. Well, you know, God wants to break that off you. That's a curse from the enemy that's on your life. God wants to break that off you right now because he looks at you and he sees his creation. He sees what he's done. He sees what he's put in there. He doesn't look at you and see you as you look in the mirror and you see all your faults and failings. He looks at you and he sees what can happen. He sees a diamond being formed. He sees a life being shaped and being made anew. He says, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creature. He sees a new creation in you today. Isn't that good? He sees a new creation. He sees something of the life-giving force of God in there. And he sees it's good. And he wants to blow on that. And so you don't come to God and say, to God, I'm not worthy. Because God says, well, I know that already. I know you're not worthy. That's why I've done all it for you. That's why I've hung on the cross. Because you're not worthy. You couldn't pay the price. The price was too great. So I paid it for you so you could be transformed. So you don't have to walk in that fear anymore. If it's on your life now, get alongside somebody and say, I'm really fearful of failing God. I want to be delivered of that fear. I really want to be delivered because I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in life, and I want to have the joy of the Lord as my hope. We have joy because of our position in Christ. Jesus has done it all. The angel of the Lord visits the shepherds out in the fields and says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's talking about us. All the people, you and me, here in Upper Hut. All the people. Uh, great joy for all the people. We have joy because we have of our purpose in life. John 15 says a branch cannot bear fruit by itself it can only do it if it remains in the vine if it remains connected if it remains joined we last year or maybe the year before we uh, we had that verse Romans 15:13 now may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound Hope. That's the purpose. Sorry, you may you may abound in hope. That's the purpose that we would abound. Abound. What does that say to you? You know, it doesn't say that we would. We would. You know, mosey along in hope. We would abound. It's, It's break forth. It's exploding. It's you know in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And James 1 and verse 2, it says, Consider it all joy, and Bruce quoted it this morning. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Isn't that good? And we have joy because of our perspective on eternity. We're not just here for now. We're here forever. The kingdom of God is at work. It's a lasting kingdom. And God has called us up into that, that we may share in the joy that He has for us for eternity. The joy of sitting at His right hand forevermore. The joy of participating in His purposes and plans. The joy of seeing His kingdom established here on the earth and seeing the breakthrough as we celebrate the life of the Spirit of God in us. I'm going to ask the music team to come back up. Is that right, Viv? Is it just you, or are there others? You're going to play the song that goes, I'm casting my cares aside. I'm leaving my past behind. In case you've forgotten, you sang it first thing this morning. Yeah, today is the day. Yeah. And I'd like us to stand. And as a team sing this, I'd like us to respond. i just read the words to you. I'm reaching my hand to yours, believing there's so much more, knowing that all you have in store for me is good. I'm putting my fears aside. I'm leaving my doubts behind. I'm giving my hopes and dreams to you. And I won't worry about tomorrow. I'm trusting in what you say. Today is a day.
1: Thank you, Viv, and the wonderful team. God bless you all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Peter's message this morning, Lord. Uh, Speaking of the Spirit, of you, Holy Spirit, you, the Holy Spirit, that brings joy in our lives. And so we bless you, Lord. and. And Lord, just as as Peter has spoken prophetically, Lord, we do, we speak, I do speak joy into our people, Lord, by your grace, by you, Holy Spirit, so that we go out from here, Lord, empowered, not just for the next half an hour until the end of lunchtime, but Lord, we go out with the joy of the Lord that you promised for us. And we want that to be part of our lives because that becomes the message that we bring to the world as we go. So um, fill us and empower us, Lord, and thank you again, Lord, for the word that Peter brought. Just as we go, though, in terms of the things that um, Peter said, if you feel that you are bound with with forgetfulness or famine or fear or fatigue, please, can you go to someone who you love and respect and who will pray for you and speak with them or come and see one of the elders or one of the home group leaders? I just invite you. This is a quality that God wants you to have to be part of your walk. And so I just invite you do that with it and say, Lord, fill me again with joy. And if there's a re- any barrier to that, I just encourage you to have someone pray for you that can let and help God shift that barrier so the prophetic word that Peter spoke can be part of your walk as we go forward. Thank you. So as we go, I hope you continue your fellowship in the CAF, a, a, a new calf do there. Um, for the men, can you pop down the back to ensure that um, you're with us next Saturday, and ladies as well, next Sunday, Saturday, that is, And remember, for the guys, it's free breakfast. You know, they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, next week there's a free breakfast. And if your conscience tips you, you can stay home and do a little bit of work. Otherwise, you just enjoy the free breakfast, and we want you to be there to enjoy it. All right? Have a great week. God bless you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bless these people. Lord, you would make your face to shine upon them. And be gracious unto them. You'd lift up your countenance upon them, Lord, and give them peace, most of all, peace, the fruit of peace, the fruit of joy, the fruit of love as we go. In Jesus' name. Amen.